the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Where do you see that? See that in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this history. No, it doesn't say that. It says this prophecy. Moreover, you see this prophetic purpose as you read the book. How? Why? Because it declares the future that is to be declared to the servants of God, namely Christ followers. This is a book for Christians. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today in the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues with the Future Grace series, an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to Revelation chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. We understand that he meant what he said. We understand that he's using poetic language, but we take it literally. And that's the way we read Revelation. So let's not make it more mysterious than it really is. You know, the other thing I like about the book of Revelation, if you've read it, is all those difficult to understand symbols that you see there, many of them are explained within the near context. It'll make a statement, it'll give you a symbol, and then it will define it. Give you, here's some quick examples. Revelation 1, 19 and 20. Write therefore the things you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. Not that those that took place in the past. Those that are and those that are to take place after that. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, what are those? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Mystery explained. So, Revelation was written to be understood. God wrote to communicate the things which must soon take place. And it was written to be understood by slaves and aristocrats alike. 
by Jews and Gentiles alike. All you have to do when you read the book of Revelation is follow the discourse. Follow the flow of thought. You see, we like shiny objects. We see something shiny over there and we just wander off the path. You can't do that in Revelation. Just read the paragraph. What is the paragraph about? What is the sentence about? But the white stone, what's the white stone? Who cares? What is he talking about in the passage? Beware the shiny object. And so let the text speak for itself. Don't read into the text what you wish it said, what you need it to say. Don't you inform the text. Let the text inform you as you read from the text. So follow the discourse. Don't speculate. Don't fall into that trap. You don't want to. And if you go far enough, you can't afford to. Stick to the text. And with that, that's enough introduction for today. Let's get into the text. So let me read to you Revelation 1, 1 through 3. Just three verses today, and they are loaded. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things which, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for because the time is near. Some people like to debate whether the Apostle John wrote this. It's in the text. He bore witness to Christ. He's an apostle of Christ. This is the revelation of Christ, the the uncovering, the unveiling of things which God wants his servants to know. And this apostle, this trusted apostle, the apostle whom Jesus loved, he's bearing witness to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus, and to all that he saw. And blessed is the one who reads aloud the prophecy, the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and those who keep it because the time is near. What's going on here? God, through Christ, is showing us the way forward. He's preparing us for what is to come. His intention is to reveal what must soon take place. He is revealing all we need to know about the future through his trusted servant, John. This is prophecy, and therefore those who heed it will be blessed. Those who ignore it will be like the one who built their house upon the sand. And in this revelation, what is to come is really a call to holy living and urgency because the time is near. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. And so, as we begin our study with this happy, hopeful book, I want you to understand three simple reasons why you need to read the book of Revelation, why you need to study the book of Revelation, why you need to understand and apply it very, very carefully so that you can be prepared, so that you can be useful in the kingdom of God because God has raised you up for such a time as this and put you where you are for such a time as this. 
So above all, I want us to consider these three reasons for carefully studying, grasping, understanding the significance of today's passage so that we can rightly apply this book to our everyday lives, each and every day we live as time passes. And so we're going to look at this book from three perspectives. You can call it three reasons. The purpose of the book, the nature of the book, and the effect of the book, all of which is found in today's passage. Which brings us to reason number one, the purpose of this book. You find the purpose of the book in verse one. Reason number one, verse one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things which must soon take place. The purpose of this book is revelatory and preparatory. Just like the Old Testament prophetic books, just like other prophetic books, just like every other book in the Bible, the purpose is to show us the will of God and in terms of prophecy, what is coming to prepare us for what we're going to see. How many times did Jesus say to his apostles, his disciples, I tell you these things in advance? This is an example of that. Revelation is a Greek word for apocalypse. Apocalypse means uncovering, revealing, unveiling. And to such ends, to these ends, it is a prophetic book. It says so in the text. The text says it's prophecy, not ancient history. Where you see that? See that in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this history. No, it doesn't say that. It says this prophecy. Moreover, you see this prophetic purpose as you read the book. How? Why? Because it declares the future that is to be declared to the servants of God, namely Christ followers. This is a book for Christians. It reveals the future, the things which must soon take place. It's right there in the text. It's right here in the prologue to the book of Revelation. Some call it the uh, superscription. Some call it the introduction. It states the purpose And it's important to keep all this in mind. Why? Because there is a school of thought that says these events have already taken place and that Christ has returned spiritually with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And there's at least one book written on this. I read a book years ago called When Jerusalem Fell by Kenneth Gentry. Uh, And I've read it. I've took its footnotes and followed its footnotes out and really examined it carefully. And there's so many logical and inferential leaps in the book, it defies description. Variants of of Gentry's thought process suggest that the thousand-year reign of Christ is not to be taken literally, but spiritually or allegorically. We are living in the millennium, which is about 2,000 years now. That first resurrection is really the conversion or the salvation of people within the church. And you have to be just careful because what is happening here is you're looking at this and saying, well, I need this, so this must be that, and this must be that, and we cannot do that. And this group, uh, this, this flow of thought is where you get things like Christian reconstructionists, that we're going to make the world Christian and then Christ can return. Or you get replacement theology that... The church is spiritual Israel, 
when there have been literal physical promises made to Israel, physical literal curses, and physical literal blessings that national Israel received in the past and that national Israel will receive in the future. Because they're under the Abrahamic covenant, a unilateral covenant, which is yet to be completely fulfilled because Israel has not received all her land yet. Otherwise, you'd be, they'd be fighting over parts of Saudi Arabia and Iraq right now. And when you start playing with numbers, it's, it's a little worrisome. A thousand years doesn't mean a thousand. What about, what about three days in the tomb? Does that not mean three days? How can it, you can use a number here, but you can't use a number there. What about seven days marching around Jericho? Was that seven ages? And so you see what happens here. You, you start using one interpretive process over here and another interpretive process over there. And you have to be really careful when you start spiritualizing things selectively. It becomes problematic. And so we just have to be really careful. You know, the other problem is during the millennium, or, or even if it's a spiritual millennium, Satan is supposed to be in the abyss, unable to deceive nations. So if Jerusalem fell, and that was a partial spiritual return of Christ, and Satan is in the abyss, who is wreaking havoc in the world today? Because if he's in the abyss, he can't deceive nations. That's what the Bible says. Now what the answer to that is, is they say, well, what that means is he can't deceive nations from way down yonder in the abyss, but he can deceive people who make up nations. And I, I just, this is where it becomes, things unravel, because evil is all around us. And so, you just, it, it's, and so we'll, we'll deal with interpretive, with interpretive systems in, more, in greater detail as we move forward. But back to the purpose of the book, which is to uncover, to reveal the things that are to take place not that have already taken place. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. The title reveals the purpose, the uncovering by Jesus Christ, the revealing of God's redemptive plan as it closes out history, the things that will take place in the future. And it was future, because even in verse 11, he tells John, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. That's the seven churches of Asia. Not seven theoretical churches, not seven mystical churches, not seven spiritual churches, but seven literal churches along a certain postal route in the Roman Empire. Now, this is interesting because he's to reveal everything. How different than Daniel. Daniel was to seal up what he saw. John is to write and to reveal everything that he saw. And so it is a revelatory book. You see this in the title. The purpose of the book is revelatory, is to prepare us. It is preparatory. It is, well, it gets into the nature of the book, which is reason number two for reading the book. Reason number two, first reason was it is revelatory, it is preparatory. Second reason is the nature of the book. We have the, we have the purpose of the book, now we have the nature of the book. And the nature of the book is found in, let's say, Revelation 1b and 2. 
He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. As we said already, it's revelatory, not to be redundant. And as such, it is prophetic. It is a prophetic book. We alluded to that a few minutes ago. Let's look again at Revelation 1, 1, verse 3, and verse 11. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which, he, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. There's the preparatory side of it, and that's the purpose. You know, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. There's the nature of the book. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Why? Because God wants them to know what's coming. He is declaring the end from the beginning. He is declaring the future of things not yet taken place, as Isaiah says. The nature of the book is prophetic. It is to declare what's coming. As such, it is not mysterious. It is anti-mysterious. It warns. It's a book of warning. It's a book that prepares us. It's written to make things apparent, clear, and understandable as prophecy, the things that must soon take place. As a book that is prophetic and revelatory in nature, it is also a book that ties up loose ends for us. This is the close of the canon of Scripture, the end of the Bible, and by nature, it clarifies rather than mystifies. At least that's what God's purpose was, and I'm assuming that he is competent to fulfill that purpose. So it clarifies rather than mystifies, and to that end, it is a book that unifies themes, that ties up loose ends, that provides a final coherence to all that is in the Bible. It is the capstone, the close of the canon of Scripture, the coda. Look at verses 1 through 2 again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things which mu- that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to a servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. There's nothing hidden in there. God hasn't said one thing less than he needed to or one thing more than he should have and he has provided us sufficient revelation, sufficient information, sufficient understanding of what's coming. It is a prophetic book by nature. And that's why we say it ties up loose ends. It coordinates, it correlates the themes and the meaning of the entire Bible and brings it to a glorious concluding chapter that we call the epistle of Revelation. How does it do that? Well, if you've read Revelation, some people say, well, how do I prepare? Do I just read Daniel? Well, Daniel will help. Do I read the, the, the 12 minor prophets? Well, that would help. Do I read the Gospel of Matthew? You know, Matthew 24 and 20, that would help. If you want to understand the book of Revelation, though, try reading your Bible through at least three times because it pulls from every piece and part of the Bible. Let me show you what I mean. It refers to or alludes to the Old Testament more than any other book of the New Testament. And the, the Old Testament is broken into three parts. The Torah, the Nabim, which is the prophets, the Katarim, which are the writings, and Revelation draws from all three of those sections. 
John's usage comes from Isaiah, from Ezekiel, from the Psalms, from Daniel. Daniel leads the pack. He's, he's also no slouch in the New Testament. He uses Matthew and Luke extensively. It appears that John at this point, remember that the New Testament hadn't been fully collated and compiled yet, but John is fluent, you might say. He uses Matthew and Luke extensively. He uses the epistles like 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians and Colossians and Ephesians. There are some scholars who insist that he's referring to Galatians and to 1 Peter as well and James. So he draws from the whole Bible and he draws it all together in this one, and I, I refer to Revelation metaphorically as the closing chapter of the Bible. He pulls it all together. One of the things that's astounding about it, in so doing, in so doing, not one apocryphal book, not one book, apocryphal book from the Roman Catholic Bible is referred to or shows up in the process because there are 66 books in the Bible and he doesn't use other books that aren't biblical. Again, by nature, it is revelatory, not a concealing book. And by nature, it makes known the coming activities of God and Satan, for that matter. Again, like Jesus said, I tell you these things in advance. By nature, it is a record of what God revealed to the apostle, its human author, of what is to take place. By nature, it is a prophetic book, a revelatory book that brings all things to closure for us. It is self-contained. What does that mean? Well, let me pause here for a moment and talk out of both sides of my mouth. If you didn't have any other book of the Bible, you could read the book of Revelation and it would make sense. It was written to people in churches in Asia who did, you know, not everybody had, you know, do you have your ESV? Do you have your NASB? Do you have your KGV? Do you? Some people had Old Testament. Some people had some of the epistles. Not everybody had a nice, neatly bound leather or pseudo leather or vinyl Bible. And this letter was written to prepare these seven churches and by extension, you and I here today and you could read it without access to the other books, understand its intent, understand its content sufficiently to respond to it. And that's what is implied by the title, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the uncovering, the unveiling, the explanation. And that's what's stated in verse two. It's a book that helps us make sense of the whole that is the Bible with great clarity. It's a book that helps us make sense of what's coming. And it will do so if you will let it. And it will do so with great consolation and great comfort and great encouragement and great effect. It will bring you joy and not confusing, not confusion. It will bring you peace and not anxiety. That's why I say it is the happiest book in the Bible because it draws it all together. So let's review. Purpose, revelatory. Nature, prophetic and comforting. Reason number three. The effect of the book. The, the effect should be a happy effect. Where do we see the effect of the book? We see the effect in verse 3. What does the text say? What do the words mean? What do we do? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those 
who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.